listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Today's sponsor is Rock Auto. Get everything you need for your car or truck at rockauto.com. Every day it has lower prices than everywhere else you could possibly find. I am Andrew Berkshire, and I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. I am from the Montreal Gazette and Game Over Montreal. We've got a packed show for you today because this is the post-deadline special. We're recording later than we usually do. This is coming out the day of. We're going to have to edit real fast <laughs> because uh, yesterday was absolutely wild. It was supposed to be a bit of a quiet deadline. Ended up not being that quiet. There's some major things that went through uh, from... You know, I'm, we'll recap things that happened before the deadline, like Claude Giroux going to Florida, which I know Mary will have some emotions to digest around that situation. Then we've got the rest of the trade deadline, including Marc-Andre Fleury getting traded, even though there was speculation that he wouldn't be. And then, of course, there's the absolutely wild situation with Evgeny Dadnov's contract and uh, the whole Vegas-Anaheim trade, which Mary hasn't seen a lot about, so she's going to react to blind as I tell her all the details of what what happened, what went down there. But first of all, before we get into all that, Mary, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. Uh, uh, And the reason why I didn't, I don't know much about the Dadnoff thing is because I did my, I I worked a different schedule than normal on Monday for the trade deadline, obviously. I did so much work, but a lot of work. And then by like 6 p.m. or whatever, when I was finished writing my last article, I was like, peace, I'm gone. I'm having some pizza. I'm playing some video games. I am not touching the internet for the rest of the day. And I think I logged back on once and I saw something about it. I was like, you know what? It's none of my business right now. Uh, so uh, that's why I haven't seen anything about it. So I'm excited to react live to whatever shenanigans have happened. But my weekend was good. Um, mostly just resting up before the trade deadline because that was a big thing. Um, you know, had to go through some emotions because Claude Drew was traded over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Um, other than that, that was good. I hung out with my friends, watched some stuff. Nothing, re- nothing real exciting. Just the usual for me. But it is springtime now, uh, so the weather is nice. So you know, just been getting outside a little bit more. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I, I would say I'd, I'd appreciate if the weather was a little bit more nice up here. It seems like we're <laughs> just straddling around freezing every day, and it's not that nice. I, we took the kids out puddle stomping on the weekend because it was like super <laughs> rainy. So that was kind of fun and they got absolutely soaked. And then it was like the temper tantrums when we had to come inside. Yeah. So, yeah, we had fun. It was also a bit of a, a long weekend. Sunday, we had the kids uh, come with us over to a friend's house because they have two kids that are around the exact same ages as ours. And they just had an absolute blast. And then they got home and both of them were just done. <laughs> they went to bed and slept in by over an hour the next day. So it was uh, that was a nice little bonus for us. They were just like, I guess, social interaction outside of daycare was a, a lot for them. And it was it was fun. But let's get into the hockey stuff because there's lots to talk about. Trade deadline always gives us lots of uh, <laughs> lots of content to digest. But first of all, let's talk about Claude Giroux, because this is something we thought he was going to Colorado. Turns out that Giroux basically called his shot a while ago and said he was only willing to go to the Florida Panthers. The consensus opinion that I've seen from Flyers fans is 
despite the fact that maybe they didn't get as big of a return as you would expect for Giroud, considering the high prices that a lot of other players were getting around this time, everyone's pretty happy because they believe that Giroud has earned the right to go where he wants at this point, And they're basically happy for him. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you have uh different, there's differing opinions because yes, there is a well, I good fo- majority. I only follow cool flyers, Twitter. That's fair. Uh, I follow a lot more very diverse opinions on flyers, Twitter. <laughs> uh, but yes, the, not to say that cool Twitter, but like I have mixed feelings and I think a lot of flyers fans are going to have mixed feelings. So I, so I believe it was Saturday um, that the Flyers traded Giroux, uh, Connor Bonneman, who's uh, I think has played a couple games at the NHL level, uh, but uh, but hasn't really panned out here. Uh, German Rupsoff, uh, who I think may have also played a couple games at the NHL level, but hasn't really you know stuck around. And a 2024 fifth round pick to Florida for Owen Tippett, a 2023 third round pick, and a 2024 first because Florida didn't have their first this year or next year because they traded one of them to um, uh, Montreal for Ben Chirot. So uh, it's an underwhelming return for what Claude Giroux is right now. Uh, Owen Tippett, though, I must say, did play really well in his first game with the Flyers because he came, like, he once he got traded, he played with them immediately in their first game. Uh, and he actually looked quite impactful. And, of course, he's a ginger, so Flyers must collect all the gingers. Uh, so it, I think it's just, you know, a thing with them at this point. I don't know if it's funny coincidence or, it, you know, they must come home because the Flyers are orange and it's a close enough color. I have no idea, but it's, it's a really <laughs> funny coincidence. Um, but yeah, like I have mixed feelings on this Giroux thing because the return is underwhelming. Um, getting a first round pick is nice, but it is in 2024 and that feels like uh, ages from now. That is uh, three drafts away now. Yeah, that's so, like a, you'll see the results from that in like seven years yeah and who knows if even the flyers will keep that pick uh they made like it it you know there's so much time between now and the 2024 draft that uh that pick might not even be around um owen tippett i know has underwhelmed in the nhl uh he you know he did really well i think in his first game with the flyers but he's not a prospect that you know not many people, I don't know if people are high on, but, you know, isn't like the flashy prospect people want in return. And then um, a third round pick, uh, you know, in 2023, it's whatever. Uh, so a lot of people, at least that I saw, were underwhelmed with the return, mad about it. And uh, I had a tweet that went viral because uh, it basically said that um, it seemed uh, from, you know, the beat reporters and, you know, the national reporters uh, being like Drew, like you said, picked a spot. He wanted to go to Florida um, and that kind of hamstrung the Flyers a bit because, you know, if everybody knows that uh, you have to send this player to just one team and that team knows it and you know it, you're not dealing from a position of strength. Um, but you know what? I applaud Claude Drew for, you know, enacting the no-move clause he has in his contract, um, and actually being selfish for once. And when I say selfish, I don't mean it in a negative context. I mean, like, he's looking after himself here. He knows what he wants. He wants to win a Stanley Cup, and he thinks Florida will do that for him. And also, maybe there's other factors as to why he wanted to go to Florida. But he wanted to go to Florida for a reason, and Claudio has sacrificed so much in his career uh, for the Flyers. Um, He's been a team player. 
Um, and the Flyers have let him down here, and he deserves to be selfish for once in his life uh, and go win a Stanley Cup. And uh, I think a lot of people may agree with that statement because that tweet that I sent went uh, pretty viral, um, and a lot of people agreed. Some people disagree, but um, I think overall, good for Giroux for going out um you know picking a spot picking where he wanted to go uh because florida is deadly i mean they were the best offensive team even before they got him and he hasn't played a game with them yet uh but he's already had one press conference and i'm very upset about it, it <laughs> he looks weird <laughs> in any color other than orange because it doesn't match his beard i'm like oh i hate this um but yeah i just this is the deserved result though at the end of the day uh given how badly the flyers organization has failed Claude Giroux and failed this team overall in this fan base. Uh, it's not just Chuck Fletcher. Uh, he's going to get a lot of flack here um, for this underwhelming return, but it stems all the way back to Ron Hextall too. Uh, you mentioned, I think last week that, uh, you know, we're doing a lot of revisionist history on his draft, like his drafting prowess, because uh, that was supposed to be the flyer strength. Uh, and it hasn't, it really, really hasn't, uh, two of the picks, uh, at least, at least one of them, German Rubsoff, I believe was one of his draft picks. Um, and the Flyers organization just didn't see any need for them. That's why they traded them to Florida. Um, and a lot of, a lot of other picks haven't, you know, worked out. I mean, Nolan Patrick's the big one. Um, I mean, the Flyers kind of lucked into that number two spot, but yeah, I mean, that was supposed to, you know, accelerate things for the Flyers that didn't work out. Morgan Frost is still, you know, trying to make his way through, uh, trying to be a better impactful player. Joel Farabee, I think, is probably the only one that has exceeded expectations for him on this Flyers team. But uh, a lot of Ron Hextall's draft picks didn't pan out. Uh, and that was supposed to be the core of this Flyers team uh, that surrounded, you know, Giroux and Couturier um, and, you know, be the future of this Flyers team. And that didn't work out. And then, of course, Chuck Ledger made all those moves re-signed Rasmus Ristolainen for some reason uh I mean it it sucks that you know Ryan Ellis got injured in the way he did um and is out for the season you can't really account for stuff like that and probably on the whole Flyers still win that trade because Nolan Patrick still hasn't really played much this season anyway and Phil Myers isn't really that impactful of a hockey player but <sighs> this is the this is the deserved result we got Andrew uh this is the deserved result we got um you know, year it's been years in the making, this result. Uh, and it sucks that we even had to get to this point. Drew should have been a flyer forever. Um, and I'm more mad at the Flyers management just on the whole, not for, you know, necessarily this return, but for getting to this point in the first place because the uh the thousandth game ceremony for Giroux last week was really emotional. Um it was really something to see. It was done beautifully. Like I applaud the organization for that, for you know, stepping up to give Giroux a really last good farewell and the team won too. So like everybody stepped up to make that moment special, but you know, the team and the organization has let Giroux down uh, for years and I hope he does better in Florida. And one more thing I'll say before I give it back to you, Andrew, because I've talked so much about this. Uh, one of the really good um, articles I've uh, read is from Charlie O'Connor at the athletic who wrote, I, I retweeted it uh, and stuff who um, wrote last week after that Flyers game, like his last game at the Flyers about, you know, kind of saying similar stuff of like, you know, 
for one night, the Flyers all came together and, you know, gave Giroud the send-off he deserved. So I definitely recommend reading that if you're a Flyers fan. You probably already have, because Charlie's a great person, friend of the show. He's been on the show once, um, you know, friend of mine, former colleague, um, really great dude. And so if you're a Flyers fan, you probably already have read the column. But I uh, highly recommend it because it is emotional and just, I don't know. I think encapsulates it really well, but uh, I'm no longer a Flyers fan for this year. I'm a Claude Giroux fan, uh, so I'm rooting for the Panthers. Uh, so, uh, sure, I will watch the Flyers games, but uh, my emotional investment is in Claude Giroux now. I get that. I totally get that. I feel like where you are and where Flyers fans are in general is basically around where Canadians fans were after the P.K. Subban trade. Not necessarily because the trades are the same magnitude, but they represent the same thing for the organizations, right? I think a lot of people believed that that core of Price, Pacioretty, Subban should have been something that they built around and contended for a cup for, just like you looked at Giroux, Couturier, Voracek, that crew there for Philadelphia should have been something that they built around and contended for a cup with, and they just weren't able to get there. So it's like that disappointment that goes beyond just the singular trade and the return for the trade. I look back at Giroux's career and it's, it's kind of crazy that it almost it started with disrespect, right? Mm-hmm. Because Bobby Clark went up to draft him in 2006 and he's like, uh, who? Like, forgot who he was going to draft. Now, I heard that there was a story around that, that Clark wanted somebody else and he was kind mm-hmm. of pushed into Giroux and that's why he like didn't know who he was drafting. But looking back at it now, Giroux is third in his draft class in points with 900 and 1,000 games, which is so clean. Mm-hmm. So yeah. clean. I just love that. It's going to get ruined right now in Florida, but for I right know, now. But for right for like these couple days, because Florida doesn't play. Like I was trying to see when his first game is with Florida, and it isn't until later in the week. I don't know why they have so many days off, but. I don't yeah. know either. But the fact is, as a Philadelphia Flyer, 900 points in 1,000 games perfection he's only behind nick backstrom and phil kessel now i would say a lot of people will probably point to jonathan taves as the best player in that draft class but would the chicago blackhawks have been worse with Giroux instead of taves like i don't really know if you can make that argument i think that they'd be different but i don't know if they'd be worse i think he is quite arguably the best player in that draft class even though right now today Brad Marchand is the best player currently, but Giroux, man, a heck of a career so far, and he's still got runway left to continue yeah. climbing. And I just want to say <clears throat> before we probably end the segment because I've talked so much, uh, but you know, Giroux means a lot to me. Uh, I, I said it before, uh, I, I didn't grow up being a hockey fan, um, I only really got into it in like uh, high school, um, middle school, high school, and Giroux was. Uh, I, I I really haven't known a Flyers team without him on it. And it's just, it's uh, the post Giroux uh, era is weird. And um, I'm just very sad and, you know, really angry that the, <laughs> the Flyers never didn't win in 2010. Not just because, you know, like, uh, you know, by the numbers, they probably shouldn't have, but considering everything about that Chicago team just makes that all the worse. And that's the closest Giroux has ever gotten to a Stanley cup. Um and that run was incredible, and I'm just very sad that that didn't happen for him and for this team uh, because they deserved it at the time, and that Blackhawks team is – we've talked about it a lot, but I just – I hate that Blackhawks team so much. I hated them before. I hate them even more now, uh, and it, it – I don't know. It just feels like an opportunity wasted, and um, the better team morally should have won that, but 
it's it is what it is uh i'm gonna look back at Drew's time with the flyers fondly um, and we'll see what happens here, but I'm more emotionally invested in uh, how Giroud does uh, this year. So, uh, you know, I hope Florida wins, like gets to the top of the Atlantic. I think that they're at the top of the Atlantic, but stays there. So they don't have to face uh, Tampa or Toronto in the first round. Um, I just want to see Giroud happy for a little bit. I don't think I could take uh, a first round exit. Um, I don't know if, you know, the Panthers are destined for that, but I just, I want him to be happy. That's, that's all I want. And I will cry very hard if the Panthers win the Stanley Cup and he's the first person they pass it to. <laughs> it would be like chemo teaming and all over again. Yep, it would. And you know what? I would not bet on the Florida Panthers uh, being tossed out of the first round. They're just too good. And speaking of betting, I've got to tell you about betonline.net. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. It's March Madness, baby. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball either. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting sport wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so we're going to do a bit of a trade deadline wrap up. This will probably be our longest segment because there's just a fair amount to cover, but we're going to mm -hmm. try to go as rapid fire as we possibly can. So we'll start with uh, what we alluded to off the hop, which is Marc-Andre Fleury going to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, apparently, he nixed some trades to uh, Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, he didn't want to play Did in you Canada. See the quote, uh, I don't remember who's the From GM Kyle in Dubas? Chicago. Yeah, yeah, either Kyle Dubas or who's the GM in Kyle Chicago? Kyle Davidson. Kyle Davidson, where, yeah, you know, he's Battle like, of the Kyles. Yeah, Battle of the Kyles. Uh, we can just lump that into the Flurry thing, but that is, you know, relevant because Flurry did fix a trade to Toronto. And then I think Kyle Dubas leaked that. And then uh, somebody was... somebody leaked it. I don't know. It was confusing because there were multiple Kyles in that tweet. And I was like, I don't understand this. My brain is too fried. But if, explain, Andrew. Okay, so basically it it was leaked, and Kyle Dubas was furious about it, okay. and he said that they never leaked it, and he basically blamed Kyle Davidson for doing it, and said, like, you got to ask him about it. Um, right, yeah. Talking to people in the industry, they do not believe that Kyle Davidson leaked it. They, th they put the blame more squarely on likely an agent, which would be my... SDPN sports colleague yeah, Alan Walsh. Say, <laughs> how <laughs> who, much are you allowed you know, to say, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, it's an allegation. It's mm -hmm. not. Right. <laughs> we don't know. I don't really talk to Alan, so I can't really ask him. But maybe I'll ask Adam if Alan let that get out. But I doubt he would answer in the first mm -hmm. place. But Alan is definitely somebody who likes to negotiate in public. So that could be mm -hmm. something that happened. There's also the possibility, and I brought this up on the show last night on Game Over, was, is that, you know, Kyle Davidson could be in negotiations with multiple teams and he could be saying, listen, these are the teams that are in on this player, so you need to up your offer. And then that team could leak it. Because, listen, nobody's going to do Toronto any favors. And no, I no. feel like Kyle Dubas was a little bit petulant in his press conference after the deadline. And I understand it because he lost the goalie that he wanted to, uh, that he signed and lost, lost on waivers, the, the Finnish goaltender who won the gold medal at the Olympics. And then he couldn't get Flurry. And then it leaked. So now Jack Campbell knows that they were trying to get him somebody else that could maybe take over in the playoffs. It's a tough thing for him to deal with. But it seems like the Leafs 
like they're constantly complaining about guys they're losing on waivers and like yeah they're losing a lot because they're a good team and they're constantly sending guys through waivers to manage their cap it's kind of what happens but the complaining about that it's like do you expect the league to do you favors <laughs> like at a certain point you have to realize and you're the toronto maple Leafs, and i know i'm going on a bit of a rant here you're the bad guys mm-hmm. like nobody cheers for you except for your own fans nobody they're the wants main character to but the bad guys yeah, they are the main character. They're Thanos in Infinity War, right? Mm-hmm. You're the super rich guy in It's a Wonderful Life who tries to buy everything and screw everybody else over. Nobody wants you to win. Nobody's going to do you any favors because you have more power than every other franchise in the sport. So buckle down, figure it out, and stop whining. And I like Kyle Dubas. I think he's a great general manager. Yeah. But the public frustration thing, I think he made a bit of a misplay there. It's it's rare for him. And I think that uh, it, it's probably not going to go over super well behind the scenes to blame another GM for that when it probably was not that GM. Yeah, uh, I think we'll discuss the Maple Leafs in a second because we should probably detail more. I like how we were talking about Flurry. Then it's the Maple Leafs. But, yes, uh, then it's that's, the Maple Leafs. The, to be fair, they have their hands in a lot of things and Flurry was directly tied to them for a bit and then that deal fell through so but i like this deal for both sides i mean i i believe chicago got a conditional first out of it it was a very just sweet straight swap of you know flurry and then what that conditional first or second i don't know i've seen it classified different ways in different places it's like conditional based on like if flurry plays like like wins four games in the first couple rounds and then i think they get to the western conference final or something like that like uh, it's not like a very complicated condition, but uh, I thought it was a really good win for both sides. Chicago doesn't, you know, they don't need Flurry. <laughs> They're not really good this year. Um, I don't know if Flurry fixes all the Wilds problems, but, you know, he's going to do better in Minnesota's more defensive system than Chicago. So I don't know what your feelings are on it, but I was surprised to see him moved because I didn't like I had hoped he'd get moved because, uh, you know. He's one of the bigger goalies out on the market. And despite, you know, him being a former Penguin, uh, he's a very charismatic guy and I love him. He's a really fun dude and I, you know, hope he does well. Um, But yeah, I was kind of surprised he moved just based on everything. But what do you think, Andrew? I was a little bit surprised that he moved just because he didn't want to move. I think the not wanting to get traded to Canada thing is kind of funny because he is Canadian. But also I'm guessing that has a lot to do with his wife who likes to spread COVID conspiracy theories on social media. So I think there's a lot of that from certain players out there. So unfortunate uh, for the Leafs and the Oilers, but boon for the Minnesota Wild, who who saw Cam Talbot respond to it by pitching a shutout last night. So, you know, if if they can get both goalies going, that's good. I don't know if Fleury's necessarily a guarantee. The fact is he hasn't been good this year. Mm -hmm. I, I know that his underlying numbers as a goaltender have been like pretty friggin' terrible. I know probably a lot of that is due to his start. Like, I don't know if you remember Mary, but the first yeah. month or so of the season, he had like <laughs> a 78% save percentage. He was getting blown out every, every single game. Yeah. And people but, were like, is uh, he going to retire straight up because of this? Like, yeah. It, it wasn't going well. Yeah. It was really bad, but uh, let's move on from flurry. I feel like it's a decent move for the wilds. They didn't pay a huge price. Uh, Giordano to the Maple Leafs. Speaking of the Maple Leafs, I actually love this move. I think this is great. Mm-hmm. They didn't pay the exorbitant price that a lot of other teams did. Yeah, they didn't pay for, first. for defensemen. I think Giordano is better than a lot of the other options. He doesn't have to play the heavy minutes in Toronto that he had to play in Seattle, that he had to play in Calgary. I think he's going to settle in really well there and make things a lot easier for them. 
Yeah, and I mean, this has been rumored for a little bit, or at least, you know, people talked about it. Uh, so it, it kind of felt, not inevitable, but I wasn't shocked to see Giordano go uh, to Toronto. Um, and I do like this move. Um, I do want to nitpick because uh, we're not going, we're going to talk about something different for the third segment, but Toronto and Edmonton didn't follow our advice, Andrew. I know, they didn't get a goalie. They didn't get a goalie. Neither the Oilers and the Maple Leafs got a goalie. Do you think that's a mistake? Because yes. I do. I think it's a bigger mistake for Edmonton. For Edmonton, yes. I think Jack Campbell, I have more faith in pulling it together. But Edmonton, I think neither of their goalies are NHL caliber. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there because I don't. I feel like I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. Especially Edmonton. Like, Edmonton, I think, was pretty quiet on the whole. They got Derek Broussard from the Flyers and maybe one more move. But they didn't do a whole lot. And uh, I'm hearkening back to whatever that quote was last year where it's like, you don't have to go all in every year. Uh, well, you guys need a goalie oh for a start. Like it's <sighs> go half in for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Just don't be surprised if uh, we see the same song and dance again, where Edmonton and Toronto get booted out of the can't stop a puck. I mean, you're right. I have more faith in Jack Campbell, but they waved Peter Morazic and the, the guy who's backing him up is a guy who's just played like, what four NHL games? He's looked great in those games, but is that somebody you really want relying on in the playoffs? If Jack Campbell's confidence isn't you know no. up to snuff, no. So I, I don't know. I like this Giordano move because I think it addresses a need, but I think the bigger need for Toronto. I know that, I know that probably a lot of people see it differently, but I thought Toronto's biggest bigger need was a goalie. Um, because they're they're relying a lot. They're they're putting their faith in a lot of things going right for their goaltending because their offense is really good. I don't see them taking a nosedive like they did um, in last year's playoffs where they just couldn't score. Um, I think it's going to be on the goaltending this year, and I hope for their sake it works. And I like Jack, Jack Campbell a lot, uh, but you just never know. I mean, there's immense pressure in Toronto, and until they win a first round series, the pressure is just going to keep building. So we'll see. One thing that I was kind of laughing at about Leafs Twitter is there was like a tweet going around. I think it was like Sportsnet stats. And I love that account. <laughs> but it was like, oh, Toronto's bottom nine is really struggling to score. Like the top line is carrying them. And it was showing like how many goals each of them scored, and like what their shooting percentage was. And Toronto's bottom nine forwards were shooting. Or no, it, was, it wasn't even the forwards. It was the rest of the team aside from the top line. Mm-hmm. was scoring on 10% of their shots. And I was like, uh, you know how many teams would kill for the bottom of their lineup to score on 10%, 10%? of their shots? Yeah, Like the league average shooting percentage is like nine mm-hmm. for whole teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Toronto's so spoiled offensively, they don't even realize it. But yeah, I mean, there's everybody's looking for something to blame other than the goaltending. And it, it has just been... The goaltending. I mean, obviously, Jake Muzzin, Muzzin being injured and him struggling with injury all season has been an issue. But overall, I think their defensive play has come a long way under Keefe. So it, it comes down to getting the goaltending to be solid. Yeah. All right, let's move on to another team. I know you had the, the Rangers get Braun in here, but I don't know if Braun is necessarily a if big he... enough deal. No, you're right. I just want to mention because he's a former flyer. No. <laughs> That's what I think. I think, and also he was actually kind of the Flyers' best defenseman this year, which is a shock to probably many people. But uh, uh, considering he was like one of the only good Flyers defensemen this year, that at least means something. Uh, 
So good for the yeah, Rangers. They, they also brought in, also uh, brought in Andrew Ladd, Andrew I believe. No, Andrew Cop. Andrew Ladd. Yeah, Andrew Cop. That's the one. Mm-hmm. A former Jet named Andrew. Okay, it's the same thing. <laughs> Tough as nails guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like the Rangers are kind of addressing the bottom of their lineup. I don't think that really. I think we all know that what the Rangers are dependent on, right? Oh, yeah. They go as far as Shesterkin takes them. And mm-hmm. I, I don't I think, just these think moves this moves least... change that. No, tr- that's true. But I like the moves that they made um, just from, you know, insulating themselves, I think, a little yeah. bit more. Um, I mean, you're right. If Shesterkin completely falls flat. In the playoffs, they're going to completely collapse. But so far, yeah. he hasn't shown, like, he's just been really good. I mean, what did he have that other than that? Oh, no, that was George Gorgiev uh, had, like, what, a 44 safe shutout or something like that right before the trade deadline or something like that. So, uh, but still, like, uh, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get moved, but it seems as if the Rangers want to keep him just in case Shesterkin, like, you know, falls off a cliff in the playoffs. Or gets so. hurt. Or gets hurt. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but. I thought the Rangers kind of came out as one of the winners just in terms of like they didn't need to do a whole lot because they're one thing uh, they can't really, you know, change. Uh, sure, they're getting lucky and or Shusterkin is maybe this good, but I liked I like their moves. Uh, I think they just create a little bit more depth, a little bit more insulation around this team. Uh, we'll see how far they go, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a big believer in the, <laughs> the Rangers, but they didn't pay a huge price. I feel like they're they're a team that seemed to know what they were at the deadline. They weren't trying to land the big fish, or maybe they did and failed. But either way, it makes sense. I do wonder, the Colorado Avalanche, I like the moves they made. They brought in Arturi Lekkinen, Andrew Cogliano, Josh Manson, and Nico Sturm. Uh, sent away Tyson Jost to make that work under the cap. Is this too much of a, a change-up for a team that's this good? This is the only thing that I wonder about because I love Arturi Lekkinen. I think he's a perfect uh, player for the Colorado Avalanche. I think he'll fit in wonderfully. I mm-hmm. think Andrew Cogliano fills that old vet that you want to win the cup for who's never won a whole Josh Manson. I feel like in l- lower leverage minutes, he can just be the tough as nails bastard that he is. And I've heard decent things about Nico Sturm. I don't know much about him, but I know he's a big, tougher guy. So they got a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher to play against. Arturi Lekkinen brings two-way ability at an elite level without uh, bringing the scoring. Adds to their penalty kill, which is the only area that they've really struggled this year. But is it too much turnover for a team that's first in the league? I mean, who else did they give up besides uh, Tyson Jost? Did they give up? anybody they didn't give up anything major i mean they're just going to be adding no, but it's, these you're guys. still cycling people out of the lineup right yeah but if you're good like you're probably going to stay good uh i mean i don't know i i have i have a hard time believing that the avalanche are gonna you know take a step back if they add some of these players in i mean like and you're right i think is an incredible fit uh i know the avalanche fans are probably wanting a bigger splash Giroux. um like i mean there were offers on the table uh, but he just he didn't want to go there. Um, I mean, then Tomas Hurdle resigned in uh, San Jose, and you know Ricard Raquel went to uh, Pittsburgh, which I think we'll talk about uh, before the end. So like there wasn't a lot of major offensive pieces uh, by like deadline day. Uh, I mean the uh, Ricard Raquel deal came down basically right at 3 p.m. But you know I. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that an avalanche team this good will kind of take a step back, but it's very possible um, just because, you know, they added a lot of pieces, but I, I'd like to think this makes them better. Um, 
even more than they already are because they're an incredible hockey team. Uh, it, it, but I kind of feel for them because they didn't, they weren't playing in like they, they didn't get a huge name. I mean, Lekin is Lekin is a great player, and I'm sure uh, Montreal is going to miss him terribly down the line. But you know, um, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing it, but it is very possible because stranger things have happened in the NHL, and I shouldn't discount any possibility because you never know. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I just I I look at teams who have made big moves at the deadline, and sometimes great teams just get a little bit thrown off by mm. you know too many lines being disrupted. But it's I possible. like the players that they added. It is it is a possibility. All right, last one before we go to break here. The Penguins get Ricard Raquel, who is a player who had a couple of seasons where he was really struggling to score. This is a very interesting one because there's some people who go by only the data who think that Ricard Raquel is just like a terrible finisher. Mm -hmm. And then there's some people who go into more of the video scouting who say Ricard Raquel is a terrible finisher when he's creating scoring chances on his own. But as a player who can, you know, one time or put away a, a shot that was passed across the ice where a goaltender is moving. He's actually one of the best finishers in the league from that perspective. So, Hey, you put him with an elite playmaker, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a Sidney Crosby or an Evgeny mm-hmm. Malkin. Maybe. And he's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So this is one that I'm very interested to see what side of the analysis wins out the video scouting or the analytics. And that is as much as I, I'm interested to see, you know, how the Penguins do, I'm just interested to see that battle play out because it's always interesting to me. Yeah, no, no, that's it's really interesting and I'm excited for it. Uh, we'll see where the Penguins, you know, end up. I think at the end of the day, they're not they're definitely not in the upper echelon of teams um, no. in like in the east, you know, your Florida's, your Tampa Bay's, your Toronto's. I mean, they all come from the, the Carolina, too. Um, but I, they're right there. I think they're primed to, you know upset somebody possibly uh because they're the penguins and they always do this um the goaltending you know seems to be solved this year um their biggest you know thing recently was their lack of scoring finish and you know raquel if if the numbers do play out as you say it will um on a team with a lot of incredible playmakers uh he very well could have a really awesome resurgence and be one of their best players um and just be an incredible fit for this team so we'll see uh i don't think that you know this is the penguins ear i think it would take a lot for them to you know punch a little bit above their weight even though Sidney crosby of guinea malkin and all of them are fantastic um i mean they're they're going to be playing in the same um like conference they're playing in the same conference as somebody like florida who has the best offense in the nhl and you know that's it's tough to beat you know in a seven game playoff series it's very possible but you know it 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 at least helps the penguins in their current needs now i don't know how much it helps their stanley cup hopes but it was a really good move a really shrewd move for them um you know it's weird to see ron hextall making these moves when I don't I don't know it's it's hard to say did Ron Hextall learn his lessons uh was the Flyers ownership hampering him uh more than was let on or what but I think he's done a good job for them in Pittsburgh so far he hasn't made I think he's added the moves he's needed to make for this team well I think yeah. also the Penguins are in a different spot than the Flyers right like the Penguins true. are like throw everything in the kitchen sink <clears throat> at the problem to try to eke out one possible more Stanley Cup Right. Mm-hmm. If Guinea Malkin is a UFA this summer, 
He's 35 years old. Chris Letang is a UFA this summer. He's 34 years old. The end for the Penguins as a cup contending team is nigh. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Rust, 29-year-old UFA. Man, there's, there's so many. There's a lot. Like, you, I mean, you were saying Malkin and what, Latang are UFAs. I mean, Drew's going to yep. be a UFA this summer, too. What a weird summer this is going to be for, like, a lot of players of, there's, you know. Th- there's going to be a lot of mistakes this summer, Mary, oh, <laughs> for players oh, then, in their 30s. This is going to be so fun, though. This is what we love. Like, it's going to be, hopefully it's going to be a fun summer. Sure, teams will make mistakes, but. It makes good content, Andrew. So I don't know. It definitely play. does. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. I I want to see something crazy like if Guinea Malkin, Arizona Coyote, <laughs> just something that makes no sense whatsoever. I want to join see his own right. buddy Phil Castle. Now that all of the Penguins fans who have listened are angrily closing the window, <laughs> I will move on. Uh, we're next up. We're going to talk about the craziness of the Evgeny Dodonov situation in Vegas. Mary is going to react live to hearing about this. But first, I've got to tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. Now, this is a situation that I'm going to have to figure out as well right now with Rock Auto because I just drove my kids to daycare this morning and I jinxed it the other day talking to my wife about my car is eight years old and we have not had a single problem. Nothing has broken. The only issue we've had is one battery that died in over eight years. If you know cars, batteries will die, especially in a harsh Canadian winter. This morning, however... I went to use my wiper fluid and nothing came out. And I was like, nah, I'm pretty sure I just put some wiper fluid in there. So it can't be that. And then I turned off the music, pressed it again. No pump sound, no motor pushing that wiper fluid out. So I've got to replace that. I'm going to get it diagnosed right away. And then I'm going to purchase off of rock auto, whatever I need to fix that vehicle. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Mary, so this Evgeny Dadanov situation, it is as crazy as you think it might be. It is (laughs) even crazier. Okay, so I was trying to react to it live on the show last night as information was trickling in, and essentially what Elliot Friedman first reported was that the Vegas Golden Knights traded of getting Dodonov to the Anaheim Ducks for, I think it was like Ryan Kessler's dead contract and John Moore. So it gives them, I guess, like a little bit of LTIR cap relief and gets rid of the Dadanov contract because the <coughs> Vegas Golden Knights with Dadanov are not cap compliant, which means as far as I know, they would forfeit games in what? a playoff race until they are cap compliant. Mm-hmm. Trade went through. Initially, it was rumored that the trade was not in the queue before the 3 p.m. deadline. So there was that. And Friedman said, no, it was. Everything's going to go through. And then after that, it was revealed that if Giddy Dadanov has a 10-team no-trade clause and Mm -hmm. he was not consulted Uh before the trade. Oh, boy. Okay. And then they went to Central Registry. And central registry at the NHL could not find 
his 10 team no no trade clause because apparently it was not filed. Oh, boy. So everyone was all over Vegas like, oh, my God, Vegas is doing this sketchy thing again. And they're remembering how they they dealt with. Didn't they like also have a trade bounce back on them? I swore something bounced back at them. I don't remember what it was, but this doesn't feel like the thing people were bringing up was more Mark Andre Fleury and how like he his agent wasn't made aware that he was going to be traded. That kind of stuff. Because usually when you're going to be traded, you are made aware of the fact that you are Mm -hmm. going to be traded or that the trade is going down. So people were all over Vegas for that. Then it was revealed. People forgot that Dadanov wasn't signed by Vegas. He was Mm -hmm. traded to Vegas by Ottawa. And then it turns out that Ottawa never sent the no trade clause to Vegas. So it's possible strikes again. I know it's possible that Vegas, number one, didn't know that he had a no trade clause Uh and didn't have the no trade list. And then everyone is all dogpiling on Ottawa. But then you can go to cap friendly. (laughs) Seriously, you can go to cap friendly and see that he has a no trade clause. Uh So are we really going to believe that the Vegas Golden Knights, who employ the guy who created and managed General Fanager, which was cap site before cap friendly, did not know or did not check to see if Dadanov had a no trade clause? Now, Dadanov and his agent are absolutely insistent that they submitted their 10 team no trade list on time in the summer. Now, there's this huge argument between them and Vegas. This trade is officially being contested between the NHLPA and the NHL about whether or not it's actually legal to do. There's contestation if the trade list was submitted. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the result is going to be. I would assume that if everything's on the up and up contract wise, like the thing is, Dednov signed a contract with a no trade clause. There has to be. You have to honor that. You, mm-hmm. you can't just say like, oh, I forgot and get away with it. So like the NHL has to have recourse to reverse that trade. Now, if it's past the deadline, do they still get to figure something out where they can renegotiate that trade and talk to Dadanov, who I'm guessing now would not want to come back to Vegas where mm-hmm. they I would assume speculation knowingly traded him while knowing that they could try to skirt his no trade clause without addressing the no trade clause. It's real tough to like come back to that, not in terms of the dressing room, but in terms of like management was trying to get rid of you and taking on a dead contract to do it. But if they're forced to take him back, they have to lose salary and a lot of it in order to play. So they're going to have to waive players that maybe they don't want to waive because if they put Dadnov on waivers now, like I doubt many teams would claim him, mm-hmm. right? Why would you do a favor for them when you can just force them into a trade where they can't use that player this year, or you could get them to waive a better player? Like, are they going to have to waive somebody like Marcia? So who teams would actually be interested in because mm-hmm. they have Car- uh, Chandler Stevenson and Jack Eichel down the middle. Now it's, a very tenuous situation for Vegas and in the middle of a playoff race, they could be forced into forfeiting games, which is what a weird, pretty insane. What a weird 
weird vegas is so weird because you're right they have all this stuff with like you know treating flurry without you know him knowing and then uh i saw somebody threw shade on that like there were multiple tweets where minnesota was like or like you know chicago and minnesota were like hey this deal is coming this deal is coming uh like kind of throwing shade on you know what happened to flurry there then i swear i swear something like either trade with vegas or something bounced back at them that like I don't know. I can't remember it specifically that like they didn't have, they didn't send it right. They didn't do something right. They obviously got it fixed, I think. But like, I don't know. It's what a weird situation this is. And now this. And then you have Seattle who is trading back all the players that they acquired in the expansion draft. Like, have you seen that? They've sent like multiple players back yep. from what a weird, what a weird time. Uh, But yeah, that's way more interesting than i thought it was going to be because i saw i saw vegas's response on twitter they posted like a note or on twitter or something about the trade is in dispute something like that I'm like what's happening uh and then i was like you know what i don't care i'm not working right now uh but that is wild uh i have no idea if there's been any more updates but now i'm gonna go looking for some information because i am very curious and wow <laughs> that's really that's really something. I'm glad I didn't look up anything outside of the trade, like, is in dispute. I knew that, but I didn't know how far it went. I completely missed that last night, but that's awesome. Also, I yeah, mean, it's awesome in, like, uh, just in, like, a fun, not fun. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, making fun of all this because it's clearly, like, I don't know, it sounds like dad knobs in distress and, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, Vegas shouldn't be, you know, treating their players like this if this is all true and whatnot but you know it's something to watch at, at the very least yeah it is and the fact is one of the things that uh, stood out to me about this whole situation is can you imagine the bullshit takes if this is ha if this had happened ugh, sorry if this had happened in the phf oh or yeah the pwhpa like if this kind of shenaniganery happen in women's hockey mm -hmm. you know it would be over like completely off the rails criticism oh yeah but in the nhl it's like it's oh it's just another day in the nhl huh it's just look a contract vegas, dispute look at those vegas golden knights go yeah no i get you yeah it's uh, completely a, yeah. wild yeah it is uh oh boy i i'll be interested to see when is vegas's next game do you know off the top of uh, well they just lost last night uh, th three yeah. nothing to the wild so they've already lost after this game so it's interesting to see while it's in dispute that they're allowing vegas to play but i mean I, what I else can they do the ruling they i mean could, yeah I they're mean... not cap compliant right the trade hasn't officially gone through it's in dispute so the nhl is essentially ignoring the salary cap in favor of vegas right now i think and here elliot friedman updated as well saying that as i understand it the issue is with Dadanov, according to multiple sources, his contract indicates that he cannot be traded without first being allowed to submit a 10-team no-trade list. It also says that the list for this year must be submitted by July 1st, 2021. He's not a lawyer or arbitrator, so they're still trying to figure out what's in evidence here. So it is... This is a complete mess. It's a complete mess. <laughs> mess i think the reason why the nhl is still allowing games to go on uh because they'd have to reschedule a whole bunch of stuff and i don't think that they want to do that 
I no, think they're just not. like I mean, they're just like get us to the end of the season because <laughs> they already had to do a whole bunch of COVID rescheduling. I don't think they want to go through that again. Also, it yeah. happened so quickly between at least the game last night. It happened so quickly between the um, you know, the trade deadline ending and the game happening that evening. Um, so that it probably wouldn't have made sense to you know halt anything. I'll be on the lookout to see when they play their next game if there's anything by then because you know, um, who like. It'll at least be, you know, there's a little bit more time now between when they play their next game and, I, and you know, this. But I don't think the NHL is going to bar them from playing games. I think they want to keep the schedule rolling as best they can and then figure out other penalties of some sort. But, you know, if Vegas yeah, keeps we'll losing on their... we'll see if they can't get cap compliant. But if Vegas keeps losing on their own, then, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't how, really matter. Yeah. yeah. How far are they out of the playoffs right now? Because that's the, that's the real big key. I think they're still in and around a wild card spot, but mm-hmm. it's it's getting tight for Vegas. They've been really yeah, they're in the last wild card spot in the oh, West. Yeah. Four and six in their last ten. St. Louis is only three, four, and three in their last ten. Oh boy. So they're two teams that are on the edge. But the thing is Vegas has played sixty five games. Dallas is one point behind them and has four games in hand. Oh god. <laughs> so oh, god. they're uh, they're in a tough situation. I uh, but that's probably all we have for this segment. Coming up next, we're going to do our pop culture roulette segment and close out the show because we can't go on forever. We got to tell you about how we're going to keep going so long on this show, and that's the energy from Built Bar. This time, this is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution at all because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out. It's one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar has anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new to this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. Don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Mary, I know that you have been playing Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. So tell us how it's going. How frustrating is it to lose all the time? Uh, I've been dying more to platforming in this game than I have to bosses. Uh, oh, really? I'm, I'm, I'm bad. Okay, I'm bad at platforming in video games all the time. It doesn't matter what video game it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I steer away from platforming. Uh, like platforming games uh but i have had a lot of deaths to uh jumping uh like you know trying to jump down a cliff and failing to do so because fall damage is a thing and it doesn't you know it's not a video game where you can just you know jump off a cliff and be fine um i have lost a lot of the you know whatever 
the in-game currency that you use to level up that you die like the whole point of the these games is you kill things and get like currency basically and you can use that to level up but if you die you lose it upon death and if you die again without getting it back you lose it forever um so i kept, that's part of the whole difficulty aspect of these games and i have lost a lot of currency not like a major amount but thousands of this currency <laughs> by falling via platforming trying to get back to where i was uh but uh the bosses have been fun i mean i'm still like I think i'm still in the early game i probably put like 45 hours into this i'm but the game is like oh, wow. it's like it's like breath of the wild where you can do things in mostly any order um i mean i'm following like a there's you can do them in any order but like the bosses can be difficult depending on how high level you are so there's like a recommended path of progression so like i don't know how early i am in the game but i'm just taking my time wandering the open world doing things fighting bosses etc cetera, etc cetera. uh it's been fun i've had a good time also i watched uh wrestling over the weekend with my friends uh my how was that <laughs> uh good i actually kind of enjoyed it uh he like picked out he handpicked like different matches for us to watch so uh one of the ones was Shawn michaels versus the undertaker in what wrestlemania 25 uh yeah, so like, there's, a, there's a lot of Shawn michaels versus the undertaker <laughs> yeah um so like we watch like different things i i'm not a wrestling person but my friend really is into wrestling and he wanted to he's like it's sports how do you not like it and it's like dramatized sports you like stories so uh I'm not going to be like a person who watches, you know, wrestling. I'm not going to turn into one of those hockey people that are, you know, also big wrestling fans, but I enjoyed it. And I'll probably continue watching like some matches with my friends uh, every so often. Uh, it was fun. I had, I had a good time, uh, but I know uh, Andrew, I think this was off pod. I mentioned that I was going to watch wrestling with my friends and you linked me to a video and that video was actually really fun. Uh, and right? I had, yeah. And I had actually linked it back to my friend to be like, Hey, my, my podcast co-host showed me this, like linked me to this video. And he's like, Oh, I've seen that. That's a great video. So I was like, you didn't tell me wrestling could be this entertaining. I don't know. The, the video was just uh, really fun and got me kind of excited to watch wrestling. And then I did. And it was fun. Um, like I said, I'm not going to turn into somebody that watches wrestling you know, when you see your whole uh, hockey timeline explode with wrestling. But I enjoyed it with my friends, and I'm probably going to keep watching matches every so often um, with them because it was good. But what about you, Andrew? What have you been up to? I started watching Formula One Drive to Survive. Oh. So many people on hockey Twitter have been like, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. And despite the fact that I have almost no interest in motorsports, although I have been to a Grand Prix in Montreal, it is compelling. I have to admit, it's very compelling. Heard. It hooks you right away on the personalities. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. I'm three episodes in. I'm going to keep watching it. We'll <laughs> see if I become an F1 person. I don't want to be. I really don't want to have to watch something else. Yeah, you know, it's like, like me with wrestling where it's like, I don't want to have to watch something else. I don't have the like, I can only do so much. Yeah. My, my it's a big commitment, right? So yeah, yeah. Like getting into new things like that can be a big commitment. Uh, trust me. I, know. I feel like also my wife would maybe leave me if I decided to be super into F1. <laughs> Well, she not on top of like the hockey shit she oh. doesn't like hockey really so like she uh. tolerates that that i work in hockey mm -hmm. it's already like three or four nights a week every week for the hockey what season what common that ground I'm... do you have andrew uh musicals marvel movies the rest you know of what? life everything but hockey that's valid that's completely valid uh i'd love to know what her favorite musical is if you if you know but you don't have to tell me i mean 
I would say when she was growing up, it was Phantom. All right. And solid now choice. it's probably Hamilton. Pretty basic. Yeah, but still solid choices. I mean, they're classics for a reason. I don't know if I classify Hamilton as a classic, but it is because, I mean, it's only It will recent. be. But it will be, yes. I mean, it's like Wicked. It's like the same thing. No, that's awesome. Actually, I think her favorite might be Miss Saigon, mm, also which we saw in the, the most recent revival in, in New York City when she was pregnant with Dylan, which Aww. was geez, like five years ago. That's so sweet. That's awesome. It's really funny, though, that your wife is not a big sports person and sports. No, sweet. not at all. <laughs> she just That is just how it is. She sometimes. has her. She has her dance and that, that's as far as she goes with sports. So <laughs> she does dancing. But uh, yeah. I think that's all we have to talk about today for the Crosscheck NHL show. Thanks for making it your first listen on Tuesdays and Fridays. We'll try to get this out as quickly as possible on Tuesday. And uh, now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.